Oh, and welcome back. It's the Season of Sam podcast. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, joined as always by Sam Donald. Sam, we got a big time guest list today. We got Matt Leinert, the first former USC Trojan to come onto this podcast, right. and Ronald Jones, the second, your running back. Before we dive into them, you guys have had two impressive weeks on offense. Tons of hype last week against Arizona. What was it like again with the eyes on you guys, with expectations, with the stout, with the South at stake? Yeah, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what Matt says about you know expectations and being able to handle it. But um, there's there's always been expectations um, with USC, no matter if we're losing or we're winning. So um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to you know be in some situations where I'm able to test myself in terms of handling expectations, but. Um, we're ready for it, and Coach Helton, um, he has us ready, and you know we're excited to um, get after the next game. And you know it's just that's the mindset that we have. It's just the next game, and I think that's that's something special that we have here at SC, and I think we're on the brink of doing something special. Last week we had Will Ferrell on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you were playing, but it got a mention in game. You know, really, Will, yeah. and a nice little graphic with the season of Sam go. logo, all that good stuff. You check it out on Apple Podcasts or USC's Facebook page. But this week we have a former true athlete. We know Will was a dynamic athlete in his own right, but with Matt, he's also an Orange County quarterback who also came back for a year where he had a ton of expectations. You guys had a ton after last year's finish. When you prepare for somebody that you know, what area do you lean in and what are you most excited to learn outside of what you just referenced about the expectations um yeah I think just <clears throat> not only yeah handling expectations there's always a conversation to be had there um especially with the run they had at, here at SC but um I think just asking them about you know whenever I whenever I run into a former NFL quarterback I'm always curious to see what they have to say about that and to see how their experience was in the league um, but then also, yeah, just um, asking about expectations and then um, moving forward from there. But also about our, you know, kind of our, the way we grew up was really similar. And I'm, I'm very curious to um, see how, you know, his, um, his upbringing was really similar to mine and how it differed a little bit. And um, just dive in a little bit to, you know, his, not only his childhood, but also his, um, process um, moving into USC not only as a quarterback but just as a student athlete. I love it. All right, let's not waste any more time. Welcome Matt Leinert to the podcast. Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, man, this is awesome. I, I've seen like the guests come on and I'm just like, I'm like the low man on the totem pole here. You guys got <laughs> some big, big guests coming on. <laughs> well, we, we, we got big guests, Liney, but you know how it is out here. You know, well, it's all about November. You know, yeah. we got the big ones that come in November. A lot, um, of, a lot of SC fans are listening to this too, so you're not that you're not that low, trust me. <laughs> All right, so Matt, I, w- I want to start uh, serious right off the bat. Um, expectations are big in college football. They were huge for Sam. They were huge for you when you came back. You came back, it was my first year on this staff here. I'll never forget about it. And w- a lot of people got to watch how you dealt with that from the outside. But I want to know now, looking back over a decade ago, how did you deal with those internally throughout the season as it went on? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard. And, and I think the, the difference between, you know, Sam, you and I, and is, I just, I had a lot more experience, you know, going into my senior year, you know, I had started uh, my whole sophomore year, started my whole junior year, and then came back for a third year. So by that time, I guess I was a seasoned vet, so to speak, and really 
I mean, and Yogi, you were there, you know, so it just really, you know, kind of understood how it all went, uh, was able to figure out how to manage, you know, my time with everything. Um, that was the biggest thing for me was just, okay, you know, how do I manage my time with, with all the kind of chaos that's happening? How do I remain focused on the task at hand, you know, which is, which is winning championships and, and winning every week. And uh, it was never easy, you know, by any means. And I remember, and Yogi, you might remember this. I remember, um, you know, my senior year, just after that Notre Dame game and, and people, some people know the story, but, you know, we, we won that game and, and I just felt like I was playing horrible. You know, we were winning games obviously, but I just felt like I was playing like crap. And, you know, that was the expectation I set for myself and everybody set for me coming off a Heisman trophy year, you know, potentially the number one pick in the draft. And then I come back and, you know, I remember sitting down with Sarkeesian and just like, kind of just taking a deep breath, you know, getting everything out and just kind of realizing like that I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be what everyone else outside thinks I have to be. And that's perfect. You know, and I think, I think Sam at times this year, I've you know obviously been watching. I think it's hard because everyone thinks, you know, we're going to be perfect week in and week out. And it's just, it's just not the case, you know? And, and, um, but for me, it was, uh, you know, I had a lot of great people around me. Uh, Pete Carroll was great at, at that. Um, and you know what? I embraced it. At the end of the day, I just realized now when I look back, like, man, that was fun. You know, it was fun to do all that stuff. It was, um, you know, it was a really special time to be a Trojan. And um, it was a lot, though. It's tough. You know, you have to have the right kind of mentality to be able to handle it, I think. Yeah, just curious what um, – you can get as specific as you want with this, but maybe just more general, what made you want to come back for your senior year? There were there were a couple things. You know, I, I – Honestly, the, the the biggest the biggest thing was I just I just liked being in college. You know, I, I really did. I, I I loved being in that atmosphere. Uh, as you know, what it's like. I loved um, playing with with my teammates. I loved just everything we were doing. And obviously, we were going for a third championship in a row, which had never been done. So I, I just I, I kind of knew all along. Uh, my gut all along told me. Uh, that I should stay, even though I, you know, I, I took a bunch of meetings and, you know, I had people telling me, I had a lot of people telling me I should go. I had some people telling me, you know, they didn't care what I did, just, you know, they'll support me, uh, obviously like my family and stuff. But um, I also, to be honest too, I also thought I could improve my game. You know, I didn't think I was physically ready uh, to go. You know, my arm, I, I was dealing with some arm issues with my elbow at the time. Um, and I just didn't feel like I, I felt like I could get better. I really did. I felt like I could improve better. And I remember Pete telling me, you know, Pete didn't sway my decision at all, but, uh, you know, you're going to be a thousand throws more experienced. You know, you're going to see more defenses. Um, you, you know, I studied NFL film my senior year at times, you know, throughout the season uh, with Pete. So uh, there was a lot of stuff that went into it. I graduated that year. That was really important, you know, for my mom. Um, and I just like being a kid, man. And, and, you know, I would tell anybody now if they had the opportunity, you know, to come back. I mean, I, I just, I have no regrets, you know, because the NFL is a whole different beast. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of things you can't control, uh, at that level and college. It's just, it's just rare, you know, and it's why I think it's the greatest sport we have. And I think, you know, when in 2005 and, um, even really 2004, I know that 
<clears throat> Shaq kind of left the Lakers, and the Lakers were kind of on the decline. And then, you know, the Dodgers weren't necessarily doing so well. I don't think the Kings were doing that well. And being kind of the bright spot in L.A., how how was that when you decided to come back for your senior year? How What was the vibe around town? Were you guys, like, the number one, um, just the number one thing? And how was how was dealing with that, even with Reggie as well? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's funny. When, when I look back now, like 10, 10 years from removed, 12 years removed, it was like, wow, it was like the greatest time ever. You know, I think when, if you ask anybody sort of on those teams and, and living in that moment, um, when we were we were going through that, it was it was normal, you know. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't arrogance, there wasn't cockiness, there wasn't any of that. It was just, that was like the norm for us. The norm for us was, you know, seeing celebrities at practice, like, you know, like almost daily. The norm for us was like, you know, Yogi, you were there, but like Snoop coming into our, you know, our locker room all the time or Will Ferrell, you know, like it was just, it just became normal. And um, so I think when you're in the moment, that's all we knew, you know, we knew, we knew we were, you know, we knew we were good, obviously. And, and you know, it was USC was, sort of the team, like you said, that, you know, LA just came off a couple championships, but Shaq left. So they were down, uh, you know, like you said, Dodgers and Kings were just average. Clippers were terrible. Uh, UCLA was horrible. We were, you know, we were the NFL team as a college team. And it was, like I said, when I look back now, it was amazing. And my advice to anybody, just live in the moment, man, embrace every single day because those days are gone once you leave. You know, and, and there's the NFL is is the greatest sport as far as professionally and competing against the best and football is football. And it's, it's, it's all great, obviously, but it's just different. You know, it's just different. College is so different. And um, I probably I tell everybody now, you know, people thought I, you know, I had a you know, I had a girlfriend my senior year, but people thought I was out all the time. I mean. Knowing what I know now, I wish I, I wish I would have taken advantage of it more. You know, but, uh, but I didn't. You know, I was just, uh, I was, I was focused on football and, and uh, you know, and that, that it was it. But it was, uh, it was a fun, fun, fun time to be there. Obviously. Yeah, and uh, kind of want to shift gears a little bit just because I'm super curious, and I, I know we kind of had the same um, upbringing because. We grew up in affluent areas. You grew up in, I think, Newport, and I grew up in San Clemente, which are pretty um, more or less wealthy. But I think we both grew up on the lesser side of it. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your, um, wanted to get your, I guess, two cents of how how you kind of grew up and how that might have helped you um, helped you in the in the spotlight at USC and grew in be at USC with a bunch of kids who grew up like that and how that maybe um, helped you handle the spotlight? Yeah, well, I actually I actually grew up in Santa Ana, so even worse. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, dude, middle-class family. My parents worked full-time. Um, you know, we were we were just middle-class. Like, you know, my, we, we, we got by, and I didn't get to go to camps and all that stuff growing up because we couldn't afford it, but – um, I always say this, like I grew up with a really close family, uh, just my mom, my dad and my brother. Um, and they just taught us from an early age, just, you know, work ethic and, 
uh, you know, what it means to earn something and, and just all those things. You know, we didn't grow up with a silver spoon in our mouth. We had to work hard for everything. Um, and, and, and those were lessons that were taught to me at an early age. So it's kind of all I knew. And then when I went to USC um, and, and going through all of that and, you know, like you said, being around kids who, you know, can are, you know, let's face it, spoiled. You know, a lot of the kids can be spoiled. Um, you know, it just, I just never strayed away from kind of my roots and my upbringing. There are times that when I look back that, you know, I got caught up in it, you know, whether it was in college and the NFL, which I think is only natural. Um, but it was that upbringing that always brought me back to kind of the center. And um, honestly, if, if I didn't have, a great family around me, helping me, um, and like great friends, then I, I don't know what would have happened, you know, and, um, they were very, they, they were always there to keep me, you know, on track. I also, you know, I also had a son at 22, which really changed kind of the course of my life. Uh, and that made me grow up a lot faster than I ever expected, which ended up, you know, obviously it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, as far as the greatest gift you can get. But um, I would say the number one thing was just having a, a mom and a dad that could care less about, you know, money, could care less about lim- uh, limelight or fame. They just wanted, they were just proud of me. You know, they were proud of what I was accomplishing. Um, and they were proud that I always had a good head on my shoulders. And, you know, that's still something that I, that um, I, I've taken with me my whole life. And even now, you know, doing my broadcasting stuff and, uh, you know, being a dad and all those things. I would say uh, I would say my parents are the exact same way. They've they've never really been caught up in the limelight. They've never wanted anything extra from me. They were just always super proud and um, it, cur- curious of how uh, how your parents might have handled that and how you um, just any advice because I know my my parents are probably listening. Uh, just any advice that you would give them uh, as I continue. Um, on this journey that I'm on? Yeah, you know, I think um, I, I think what's important when, you know, decisions are to be made, you know, whether you go to the NFL or whether you stay or, you know, I mean, any of that stuff or just decisions while you're in college, like, in, like you know, how do you handle stuff? And, um, you know, my parents were always just, there for me no matter what good or bad and they were always there just to pick me up um you know and and, and despite what people think you know there were some there were some tough times in our run you know it was a lot of pressure there was a lot of you know i mean as you know now as as many as many guys that pat your back there's as many guys that want to bring you down too you know you're, you're gonna have always gonna have the good and the bad and um you know i i think i my family just always allowed me to make the best decision for myself without trying to steer me uh, one way or another. And I think so many times, and, and you'll see this in the next couple of years or, you know, when you get to the league or, you know, when, when you see other guys making decisions, there's a lot of family out there because of different upbringings, right. And different ways of life. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that leave early that I'm just shaking my head. Like, why, like, why would you do that? Like, like you have no idea how hard it is. And, um, a lot of that can be parents being persuasive and because they grew up with nothing. So, um, I guess my advice for your parents and just as a group, is just, you know, at the end of the day, you, you make the best decisions for yourself. 
um, first because it's your life. It's what you live. And that, that's, and, that, and I go back to my decision. I made the best decision for me at the time. Um, my parents were kind of cool either way. If I left or if I stayed, they didn't care. They, 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 you know, we out, we weighed the, you know, positives, the negatives and all those things. Um, but I think when parents and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and whoever start to tell you, you should do this or you should do that, that's when it can get kind of tricky. Um, so, and I don't know if that helps at all, but, um, you know, if you're all on the same page and at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, I always said it was my decision. At the end of the day, my gut told me to come back. My gut told me to live, you know, to, to live another year at USC and have fun. And, and I don't regret it, you know, at all. You know, I, I had the best time of my life. Yeah, they they will 100% uh, appreciate that. That was awesome. Um, and I just kind of want to tr- transition again into the NFL. I'm just curious of how the NFL locker room differs from the college locker room? Oh, there's big differences. Uh, you, you know, the NFL, one, one, it's a business always. You know, you got to always remember that it's a job. You know, it, it's, it's football. The games are fun. Practice, it, it's competing just like college. But it is a job. So you go home to your wife and your kids, or you go home to your new apartment where, you're, you know, you're paying rent on your own or – uh, you know, and, and you're responsible for your own actions always. Um, college is, is, is a little more structured, you know, with school and studying and then your practice and, you know, all those things. The NFL, you know, you, you kind of become, become a man, you know, right away, I guess. And um, especially depending, you know, I was fortunate. I got drafted by Arizona, so I was close, all those things. But if you get drafted somewhere back east of the Midwest, I mean, it's a, it's a, it could be a culture shock. And, um you have, you know, 36, 37, 38-year-old grown men, you know, and you're a 21-year-old rookie. You know, you have guys that have wives and kids. You know, it's just, it's just different. You know, it's a, it's, a different, um, it's a different kind of dynamic. Now, that being said, it's still the, the one thing I miss the most about the NFL and football is the locker room. Like, I miss the NFL locker. I miss the guys. I miss the camaraderie. Uh, you know, all of those things that you get in college, you do get in the NFL. It's just, you know, it's, it's just, it it is a business and you always have to kind of look out for yourself because you just never know what can happen. You get hurt, you know, the next guy gets up, he takes your job or you can get cut at any time or, um, you know, all of those things. So it's, it's definitely different. Um, you know, like I said, that's always helps when you have good people around you. You always have good mentors in the locker room, guys that have been around, guys that you can ask advice, uh, you know, coaches that have been there, you know, no matter where you go, coaches that have been around. You know, I, I think that's the one thing is never be afraid to ask for advice or, you know, whether you're the number one pick in the draft or you're the seventh round pick, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you're going to need help. So um, my, my biggest thing to anybody listening who's playing college, enjoy college every day. The NFL will come. Um, it's a different game and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, football is football, you know, and it's the best game in the world. Man, I, I can remember it like yesterday, you know, that first year for me on the staff, your final year at SC and post Notre Dame game and the lull and the meeting. And I, and I feel like every big time quarterback goes through that, uh, probably every season, but definitely when all the eyes are on them. Uh, but I also remember vividly whenever I look back on those years is that the confidence that the teams had that you were a part of and that I was a part of 
was just different. And I call it like hoping versus knowing. You know, there was a knowing if down three touchdowns, it wouldn't matter at ASU. We would go win the ball game um, and so on and so forth. I'm curious for you because here's an SC team that's on the verge of completely clinching the South this weekend. Um, and Sam, I don't know where you guys fit on the scale of hoping versus knowing if you to describe your confidence. But Matt, I, I'd like you to talk about that for a minute around, you know, your thoughts around how grounded and how real the confidence was with the teams that you were a part of and why you think that was. Well, first and foremost, as you know, you know I mean, the, the, the environment and the culture that Pete Carroll created was like no other one I've ever been around. And it's why he's had success in Seattle, too. You know, he just he found what worked at USC and, you know, it, it's just it's just different. And, um, you know, obviously you get good players, you recruit, you have a great we had a great coaching staff I and mean, all those things are go hand in hand. But I, I think when you create a culture where you're, where you're competing and you're winning, and then there's always the belief every day, you know, that it took time, you know, it's, you, you, you kind of, we always say, you know, you lay the bricks to a house, you lay the foundation to a house, it takes time. But once that foundation is up, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to bring it down. And that's exactly what happened. And, and to your point, I mean, we, we got to the point where I think it was probably, I mean, Carson's, you know, senior year where, you know, we won the Orange Bowl. There was a belief that, wow, okay, we could be pretty good here. We could do something special. But I think, obviously, then I took over, and, you know, there's a lot of question marks when we started, you know, with a couple losses early, um, or we lost the Cal early that year. There was still – I think it kind of – the tide turned kind of midway through that season where, okay, we, we know that we are – we have – we're on the verge of being great. And like you said, knowing and hoping there's a big difference. And I think we knew every time that Saturday came, we knew every time we were going to win, no matter what. And, um, you know, the, the close games were great for us because it proved that we could win in all different ways. You know, we could come back, like you said, from ASU down 21. And I'll never forget that game. It was crazy because, you know, I got knocked out that game and, um, you know, we were playing horrible and they were, you know, they were, you know, they were living in the moment and they were playing great and all this stuff. And there just was never a doubt, you know, like we just always looked at each other at halftime. We're like, all right, that's all they got. That's our best shot. You know, we know at some point we're going to just, we're just going to come out and explode. It was always the case, no matter what year, whether it was 03, 04, 05. And that was built over time. And I just think when I relate that to this team this year and, you know, the teams the past couple of years, um, it takes time. You know, it, it's a belief in that locker room no matter what. Um, you know, it takes the players, obviously, and, and, and all teams are different. You know, like, Sam, you know, your team, there's a bunch of injuries this year, obviously, that's hurt. Um, the depth isn't there like it was in our years it, just because it just isn't, and it will get there. Um, you know, you have, you know, guys leave early for the draft to – you know, sometimes, ah, you should stay, you know, th th there's all those things that happen, but um, as long as that locker room can believe and, you know, Coach Helton is creating a culture, a winning culture, I really believe that, um, you know, then, then you know, SC is going to be fine. And l listen, like, it is really hard to go undefeated every year. Like, I don't care. Like, we, you know, you can say we we're lucky or we were dominant. I mean, we had a great run, but, like, there were a lot of games where, you know, Notre Dame, Fresno State, you know, Arizona State. I mean, there were a lot of games where it could have either it could have went either way really easily, you know, and 
Um, we just, you know, we just had a belief, but um, the parity in college football this year is just crazy. And, and every year and, and in the Pac-12, especially, um, you just never know. You never know. Anyone can beat anybody, but I think that's what makes it great. You know, you want to the best every week. And, um, but I think knowing, I think knowing that you're going to go into Saturday, Hey, we're going to win this game. I don't care how we win, but we have the belief in each other and that takes a team. And as long, and when all the team is on the same page, it's really, really difficult to beat someone like that. Yeah. And I think, um, once we, you know, once we kind of find ourselves and, um, you know, we get a really like, I don't think we've had a full roster here since like 2012 or something like that. But, um, I think, you know, when we do, get that whenever it is, I think we're going to be really good. And, you know, I think we're really good right now. And I think we have a, still have a chance to do something really special um, with the way, you know, the kind of the Big Ten's working out and the Big 12 as well. Um, and as the SEC always does in their, you know, their conference championship games, I think we always, um, we always have that belief here that we can do something special um, as long as we just finish out the season strong. But I just kind of wanted to, <clears throat> for my last question, I wanted to ask about your time when you were backing up Carson because I know when I was even my <clears throat> when during my time when I was back backing up Max and then even my uh, when I redshirted in my true freshman year um, backing up Cody um, I learned a ton and kind of just curious of what you learned from Carson and what lessons you might have learned while even maybe playing on the scout team or even just backing him up backing him up and watching games and being able to watch that film with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny, man. I, I learned Carson was my biggest mentor in college. Well, he probably didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, watching him. And then I got a chance to play with him again in Oakland my last year. Uh, it was like 10 years removed from each other, which was really kind of a cool experience just to be back with him for years fun. But, um, you know, when I came in, I was, when I came in as a true freshman, I, I was, um, and like a four-star recruit, you know, I wasn't a, I mean, I was a, a big recruit, but nothing special, you know, like I was, you know, USC recruited me from the start and all those things. And I was really like wiry and you know, I had a long way to go. Um, and so I redshirted and I was, you know, I was competing with Matt Castle for the backup job and, um, you know, my redshirt and it was, it was tough for me. It was tough for me. I almost actually, I contemplated transferring. I don't know if some people know that, but um, never really was close, but it was something that, I had possibly thought about and uh, um, obviously didn't, but the year Carson won the Heisman trophy was the greatest year for me as far as just learning. And it was, it was, you know, it was the film like you would expect. It was watching in film or excuse me, watching film in, in, in the meetings and, and listening to the types of questions he was asking, just watching him in practice every day. You know, you know, how you take mental reps, obviously, but then you, you just watch, you know, you watch him, how he handles himself, uh, you know, physically, how he handles himself mentally, the questions he's asking the quarterback coach, why'd he go, you know, there with the ball instead of there. Those are all things you just kind of sit back and watch. And he won the Heisman that year. And obviously we were, you know, I think we finished 11 and two and USD was back. And now I was taken over and, you know, there's so much hype and expectation for me and big shoes to fill <clears throat> And, man, I learned just so much about how to carry myself amongst all of that hoopla because Carson just dealt with it. You know, Carson – and Carson is just like us, you know, Orange County kid, funny, you know, good personality, but, you know, really humble. 
uh, you know, no arrogance whatsoever, just loved playing football, was a great teammate. And um, I think the biggest thing was just how he handled the pressure. That was something I always talked about when I became the starter. Everyone asked me, and, and I started having success, like, oh, what would you learn from Carson? I was like, I just learned how to handle the pressure, how he handled himself dealing with the media every day, how he handled Because Carson, and Yogi would know this, but Carson, I mean, I mean, he had an, uh, I wouldn't say an up and down career, but like he was, it was, you know, there was a lot of negatives. People thought he should get benched and all these things because they had some rough years under Paul Hackett. So, you know, his career wasn't one that started off great. He finished great. And um, so I always learned that. He always talked about how, you know, he struggled early and, and all those things. So, um, you know, as a backup quarterback, you know, it's so important just to take notes as far as, what the starter is doing or, you know, how he handles himself, especially amongst kind of all the chaos that's happening. And, you know, scout team, um, I, and I even learned this in the NFL, and, you know, who knows obviously what happens, you know, when you decide to leave or, or whenever that is. But, um, you know, the scout team is where a lot of guys get, earn a job, you know, and a scout team is where you can open eyes to people and, um, there's no shame in that in college. There's no shame in that in the NFL, you know, because anything can happen. You know, you're one injury away from always being ready to play. So um, I learned a lot on the scout team. My first year, I think it was my true freshman year, um, you know, I got to play against Troy Palomalu, and, you know, we had some great defenses there. So, um, you know, soaking in, you got, you got to soak it in every rep, every, every practice. Um, play like it's your last. Learn as much as you can, and, you know, that's only going to help you in the long run. I love it. Matt, you crushed it. It wasn't Matt and Reggie TV, but uh, it was the Season of Sand podcast, man. Can we, can we dig in the archives over there and find some of those or what? <laughs> yeah, we'll see what we can do, man. But that, well, that was awesome. Great advice, great stories, and uh, thanks for the time as always, man. All right. Sam, good luck this weekend, bud. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. See you guys. All right. First former SC Trojan we had on on the pod. What would you yeah. think? Um, I thought, you know, he said some stuff that I kind of expected and I kind of knew about him. Um, but then he said some things that um, were really interesting. And I think diving into, um, you know, at the end there, when he kind of dove into how how you need to be as a backup and how it is on scout team, I can just remember, um, you know, not even really thinking about that stuff, but more of just loving the game and playing the game when I was on scout team or when I was in meetings, just watching film of Cody. Um, and Max, you know, it was just, um, I was just watching film because I loved it. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, he said to never be afraid to ask advice. Um, I think that was super important too because, you know, even if you're a high draft pick or, you know, you're a seasoned vet, I think it's, um, he said it's super important to just keep asking for advice because you never, you know, you never know everything. And I think that's super important. And then also he said to just enjoy college. Um, it seemed like he enjoyed college, um, but um, no, I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm embracing every single moment of it, and I think um, just the the advice that he gave me, and also the advice he gave my parents. I think that'll, you know, they'll love that. Um, so that was super nice of him. And then um, you know, just all those little things that he said, I think are spot on. Yeah, I can remember like yesterday coming in as my first job ever out of done playing. Yeah, I came out here and I remember meeting Matt for the first time. And Norm Chow just left. Sark just came in as the coordinator from Oakland, 
And Matt just had this vibe about him. I still define him as the coolest guy I've ever met. He just had that. Uh, but he did the work. Yeah. And I remember training with him prior to the draft. I'd work out with him and Reggie uh, down in Heritage Hall. And he has a work ethic that I don't think people necessarily recognized. Mm -hmm. But now you see even him in his TV career. The only way you maintain a job in television is if you really do the work. Yeah. And Matt clearly has done that. Now, another guy who's done a lot of work, the last two weeks specifically, is your running back. Ronald Jones is second. This dude has gone off. Yeah. What is going on with him? Because he's just taking <laughs> over games like he's a running back back in the day here at RBU. Yeah, he uh, he's always had that capability. And, you know, we've seen it in, you know, even the past two years. Uh, yeah, Rojo's, he's special. He's, he's electric. He's always able to, um, you know, make cuts that just, that wow you. And, you know, I've... Sometimes when I just hand the ball and I watch him, it's like watching someone controlling him on a video game. It's it's sometimes it's crazy, um, but even even he he'd be the even him he'd be the first one to credit the offensive line. That's just kind of the person he is, and um, no, he he's always um, it's always a pleasure to share the backfield with Rojo, and um, not just because he's such a great player, but also because he's um, so humble and he's he's always able to. Um, even when he's not doing well, even when nothing's there, um, he's always able to have a positive mindset, and um, it, it's always it's always nice to share the backfield with him. I love it. All right, so we transitioned from Matt Liner, whose final game at USC was against Texas, to a running back who grew up in Texas, watched that game. It'd be interesting to see his take on that game, <laughs> that impacted his recruiting and all. That's Sam Darnold and Yogi Roth. We'll be right back with running back Ronald Jones the second. And welcome back with Ronald Jones, the second on the Season of Sam podcast. The first appearance on a podcast oh, for you, yeah. man. Welcome to the welcome to the squad here. Um, I want to ask you right off the bat, because I read this stat this morning. You're the first back at USC in over a decade of back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons. When you hear that, what is what lands on you? <laughs> yeah, when I hear that, you know, I get surprised. You know, uh, I just think of all the great backs who have come here before me, and, you know, it's an honor to be mentioned with them, so it's definitely something... Uh, you know, that that means a lot to me. So it's, it's really cool. It's You've really gone cool. off the last two weeks. ASU, Arizona. We're gonna get into that in a minute here. But I want to go all the way back to Texas. When did you first hear about USC, and where did the desire, or even the thought, to maybe come out here and play one day begin? Yeah, it was a. Uh, I think the first time I heard about them was probably when they played Oklahoma in that national championship. You know, Adrian Peterson since freshman year. I remember that. Cause he was a big Texas back, and you know I watched him, and then the year after that, you might be like what eight years old then. Yeah, but you know my my dad, my uncle, and all the guys around me was just putting me on football things like that. So I definitely remember that game, and then obviously USC versus Texas. You know we got that rematch this year. Uh, that definitely put me on the Trojans. And when you start to get a call from USC, take people inside the recruiting world. You you had a ton of offers. Yeah. You could have gone anywhere in the world. Uh, but what made you lean towards leaving the state of Texas? Clearly, there's good football. You're outside of the Dallas community. Yeah. To come out to Los Angeles. Uh, I think just, you know, coming out here and uh, bringing back that old, you know, like like we talked about with 2005 and all that. You know, after USC going through sanctions, you know, I wanted to be part of the guys or, like, one of the guys on the team that brought them back to that, uh, that high status that, you know, they're building for years. Was it hard to leave? I mean, everybody in L.A. sees Friday Night Lights, see the shows. We think we know about Texas football, yeah. but you lived it. Um, it was definitely hard to leave. I think the hardest part was probably leaving the food behind. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, football, you know, they got good football all over the country, and this is one of the best schools with both 
football and academic, so you know, it's hard to say no. All right, so being a USC running back, you know, we always talk about the quarterbacks, right? The season of Sam is <laughs> the title of his podcast. But yeah. tell us about the running back lineage and what it's like to be in your room with the history and the pictures on all those walls when you walk in. Yeah, it's definitely RBU. You know, like you said, you walk in that room, you're going to see Marcus Allen, you know, O.J. Simpson, you know, Reggie Lindell and Anthony Davis, all the greats that come before you. And, you know, you just want to honor them every time we go out on the field, and that's what Coach Bacuda always preaches. So uh, we're just trying to honor our name, their name, and the Trojan family. Is there a the debate? Like, is there a major debate between QBU, RBU, LBU? I mean, every U. I think, I think we got both of them, QBU and RBU, honestly. Okay. I like it. All right, so you as a performer, the last two weeks you've gone off. When you're a running back and your number is called and you see the play come in from the sideline, Take yeah. us inside your mind a little bit because you had some gashing runs the last two weeks. Yeah, again, you know, I got to give credit to the offensive line. And then, you know, when we break and get to that second level, you know, it's the receivers and tight ends, you know, uh, doing their part as well. So, uh, yeah, when I when I see the play, you know, I'm automatically thinking of the read. So uh, I'm just looking at that defensive lineman, and if he, you know, jumps in another gap or goes another way, then I'm automatically, you know, going to take the ball somewhere else. Because you can kind of get a feel. And that's another thing that Coach McCullough has really helped me on. Just understanding defenses and then understanding that everybody has a gap. So, you know, I kind of have a, f a feel of where the play's going to go before it even happens. So how do you balance the feel? Oh, that's the ringer, by the way, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's the... <laughs> that's the sweet ringer right there. Um, yeah, the... But but how do you balance the vision that you have and the instinctive element in your game with the understanding and the anticipation of what a defense may be doing? Well, that's a good question. Um... Yeah, coach always tells us not uh, to run our eyes. You know, don't become a robot out there. So even though it looks like he's gonna jump into some some gap, you know, you just gotta use your eyes at the end of the day. He he always tells us never to be a robot. He says run your eyes. Yeah. Let, let me let's dive into that. What so does like, that mean? <laughs> I guess like if I see like a flash of color, I'm gonna like jump cut back the other way. Like I'm not gonna just because the read says that I, that I should go that way doesn't mean I have to. You know, gotcha. it's kind of like I guess scrambling. Is that hard to, to not be robotic? Because I'd imagine, you know, you come in and I remember watching your highlight tape yeah. prior to signing day, and, you know, clearly you just run, run wild. Yeah. And then you come here, and there's, like, real rules to a run game and yeah. real <laughs> tendencies. And how hard is that adjustment for backs? Because I don't think a, a fan would understand the, the challenges that sometimes a back has who's so explosive in high school and then comes to college and has to become a true student of the game. Yeah, it is difficult at first. Like, uh... I had a big problem, you know, bouncing all a lot of my runs, and there was nobody out there to block for me. So, coach, like, you can keep blocking or keep bouncing out there, but you know they got baseball bats and refrigerators, and you know they're gonna take your head off. So, you know, if you just know the integrity of the plays, it's gonna make it a lot easier and slower for you. Are you a visualization guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a visual. So, like, take us inside those. your mind on the previous Friday nights over the last two weeks. Are you going through every possible running play in the call sheet? Oh, yeah. I usually I like to watch, you know, some of my favorite running backs highlights. And then I watch, you know, what the defense the week before did against them, you know, just have a tendency of how, like, guys tackle, you know, do they hit low, can I possibly jump or whatever, just things like that. You hear that a lot, you know, big-time athletes watching, like, YouTube highlights pregame. <laughs> what are you watching, and what does that do? Uh, I watch Reggie, obviously, uh, Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, AP, uh, Todd Gurley, guys like that. And then what, what do you think it does, like – because you're not thinking about it when yeah. you're back there and you get a toss <laughs> to the right. You're like, okay, let me be, like, number five and let me be Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think it just motivates you, if anything, you know, just to see, you know, if these guys are doing it at the highest level in the NFL, you know, you should definitely be able to make some shake, you know, at the college level. 
Where do you think you've evolved the most in your time at USC that people would not expect? Mm, probably my pass protection. I think uh, the, the hands, you know, were expected to eventually develop, but just uh, I'm actually, like, understanding blitzes and, like, you know, where knowing where the defense is coming from. Again, like, we talked about the run reads, the same thing with uh, uh, blitzing and things like that. You know, the safety's always going to tell you the story. Mm -hmm. How hard has it been this year to not have a bye? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that part's been pretty difficult. Uh, obviously, we got a lot of guys banged up, things like that. You know, I've been banged up from time to time. So we knew, you know, what our challenge was going to be. And I think Coach has done a great job, you know, keeping us all healthy and fresh, the ones that are healthy. So You know, the running back position, you, you get banged up a lot, right? You don't yeah. get that week off. How do you manage your body so you can be in peak performance? Because your plan, you, know, you guys are in complete control of the South here with two games remaining for you. Yeah, I think uh, – like, again, you know, coach just monitoring and practice, you know, uh, strengthening Coach Ivan with uh, our weight program, you know, just keeping us strong and healthy. Because, you know, we knew we were going to be playing, you know, late here in December, and that's the goal. So, you know, so much comes with rocking the Cardinal and Gold, as, as you've learned. What brings you, as a student athlete here, what brings you the most joy? The most joy? Uh, can you repeat that again? Yeah, you know, there's so many things involved in being a student athlete mm -hmm. from obvious class, yeah. preparation. Playing, leading the band, scoring a touchdown, meeting fans. I mean, you guys oh, get yep. exposed to so much. Yeah, it, it is great. You know, and fans would think, well, it's it's a long run, right? It's a <laughs> touchdown. Maybe maybe it is. But I'm curious for you, uh, what brings you the most joy? Because you're no longer a freshman. You've been here for a while. Yeah. I think uh, uh, bringing the most joy is probably things like, you know, bringing a championship, you know, like a Rose Bowl. You know, that was the first time we had won that in like eight, eight seasons, eight years, things like that. And, you know, uh, I talk, you know, I'm from Texas, so just knowing that I'm not only doing it for L.A. or people back home that I don't even know about, it's just having, you know, because when you win, you know, it brings life to the city, and people, even though they may not be on the team, you know, they feel like they're a part of it, and, you know, just making people happy and seeing them smile and just doing the thing, playing the game that I love, you know, is probably the most joyful thing at the end of the day. Such big expectations for you guys coming into the year. People thought, you know, coaches are going to go, bring it back. Yeah. You know, win the Natty. You're gonna make it to the CFP. You're gonna win all these individual awards. A lot has gone on this year. If you were to summarize your season, how would you do that? Um, I say, you know, we were a team that was, you know, was a, was a work in progress. You know, we're still not there, but you know, I I definitely don't look at it, you know, as if we didn't meet our goals or expectations. Even though the season's not done, you know, we're on the path to still win, you know, our Pac-12 championship and. Uh, there's still a lot of football to be played left, so hopefully, you know, a couple teams fall down, you know, we can sneak our way back in. But um, I definitely gonna, I think we're going to end on the right foot this year. Heading up to Colorado, the altitude. Everybody oh, always yeah. makes a big deal about the altitude. Yeah, it's hard to breathe down there. Hard to breathe. I'm not <laughs> sure if you want to take 198 and get a call back. Yeah. The altitude. <laughs> yeah, can't do that. When you watch them in preparation, what are some of the things you got to make sure you handle so you guys can go ahead and clinch the Pac-12 South with a win this weekend? Yeah, like you said, you know our lungs got to be good, <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, yeah, they're a good team. Uh, we we played this – yeah, we've been on Thursday and playing again. So we kind of know what they're going to do. We know what they're expecting. Uh, and Coach T made a good point yesterday. He said, you know, they're one game from being both eligible. You know, they'd love to do that against the Trojans. So uh, we expect them to compete, and they are, obviously. So, yeah, we're just looking forward to the opportunity. All right. Well, we were looking forward to this opportunity, and I can't wait to hear how you download your first podcast. <laughs> and listen yeah, I'm to about to get it right now. I love it. All right. This is the man, Ronald Jones, the second RBU. RBU. Over 1,000 yards on the season, on the Season of Sam podcast. Thanks for making the time. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime. All right.
And there it is, another podcast in the book. Want to make sure we thank our guests, Matt Leiner and Ronald Joseph II. Incredibly candid and vulnerable conversation between Sam and Matt. And then, of course, hear the recruiting process of Ronald Jones and really what goes through his mind as he plays the game. And, of course, the last two weeks has gone off. We'll see if they can do it again and potentially clinch the Pac-12 South this weekend against Colorado. For all of you listening, thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. You can find it at Apple Podcasts. And for our crew, definitely not possible without any of them. Executive producers, Tim Tesselon and Paul Goldberg. Our producer, Katie Ryan. Editor, Rich Rodriguez. And of course, director of social media, Jordan Moore. I'm Nogi Roth, your host. Talk to you soon.